Coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field, it's the Derek Izzy Show. Making history his story, Derek Izzy. You're listening to The Derek Izzy Show. Thank you once again for tuning in for our regular monthly podcast, taking you on a journey back in time. The sponsor of this month's show is Lyft. While Lyft wasn't around at the time of the events that I'll be talking about today, Lyft is an innovative ride-sharing service. Cheaper than a taxi, you bring up your Lyft app on your phone. When you request your ride, it shows that driver as they're on their way to get to you, along with a time estimate about how long it will take them, and you can see your fare estimate clearly displayed in the app before you choose to call a driver. No cash is exchanged. Everything is done through the app with the credit card that you have attached to your app. You can even tip the driver through the app. Reliable ride sharing with Lyft. Now, in order to get your special Derek Izzy Show discount, we have a promo code that will get you your very first ride for free up to $20, depending on what market you're in. In order to redeem that code, it is only good for your very first ride. So whenever you set up your account using your email address, when you go to select your first ride, you want to use promo code Derek, D-E-R-E-K, 605503. Once again, that's Derek, D-E-R-E-K, 605503. Now remember, that code is only good for your first ride. So if you've already got a Lyft account, The code won't work, but you can always set up another account, and you can use that code. Get your first ride free up to $20 in value, depending on what market you're in. If you're interested in becoming a Lyft driver, you can use that code to expedite the process as well. When you fill out your Lyft application, use that promo code DERIK605503 to expedite your Lyft driver application. That lets Lyft know that you heard about it here on The Derek Izzy Show. From time to time, we talk about five-star reviews. And when we get Moses back on the air, he'll be able to start reading some of those five-star reviews. But in the meantime, we ask that all of you go on to iTunes and write a five-star review. Let your opinion be known. What do you think of the show? What do you want others to hear because people read those reviews? Give us your thoughts. In a five-star review, just go on to iTunes, select Write a Review, and you can let your words be known to the world. In the year 2011, a car race around the world was organized. Now, you can imagine the nightmare of logistics that is needed to undertake something like this. Getting drivers, passports, and permits to operate through different countries as they make their way around the world. This happened back in 2011. But this was not the first time 
somebody attempted an endeavor like this, a successful race around the world by car was completed in 1908. Back in 1908, there were very few paved roads. Cars themselves had not been around for that long. If you'd like to hear more about car racing, tune in to our October 1st, 2014 show, The Race to Prohibition. But for the topic of today's podcast, the idea of a race around the world was brought to fruition by several individuals. Several countries participated in this event. And when would this event take place? Abraham Lincoln's birthday. These days, we use President Lincoln's birthday as a long weekend to get the best car deals. Back in 1908, it was a long car race. The race was sponsored by the New York Times, a newspaper known as Le Matin out of France, and the race was set to be a roughly 20,000-mile trek across America starting in New York City. It would lead over to Alaska, cross through Siberia, Europe, and ending in Paris, France. The winner of this insane race would take home a 1,400-pound trophy and $1,000. The race was not built for somebody to make it rich. This was all about glory. February 12, 1908, in Times Square, a crowd of over 250,000 people were there to witness this historic event. There were a total of 13 cars that were entered in the competition. When it came time to start, there were only six that actually showed up. Back in 1908, there had only been nine men who had actually driven an automobile across the United States, but none of them had attempted it during the winter season. And February 12, 1908 was just that. Winter. The plan was to leave New York, head west to Chicago, driving through the Midwest, go through Wyoming, cross the Rocky Mountains, and arrive in California. From California, they would take a boat that would transport them up to Washington, and then take another boat and cross over to Alaska. Once in Alaska, the plan was to cross the Bering Strait, drive through Russia, on to Europe, passing through Poland, Germany, and finishing in Paris, France. The early ideas had estimated that the drivers would take about six months to complete this 20,000-mile journey, but this would be an adventure that included life, death, and many perils along the way. Of the six entrants that actually started the race successfully, they were from several different countries. We had the German Protos, a very short car, made it through the start. The French submitted three contestants. They had de Dion Bouton, a very small car called Motobloc, and the third one called Césaire. The Italians, they submitted a car named Zust. Each one of the cars had their own unique design and representation of the manufacturer. The American's car was known as the Thomas Flyer. Why the Thomas Flyer? Well, it was built by the Thomas Motor Company. Have you ever heard of the Thomas Motor Company? Probably not. But back in the 1900s, they existed, 
as a powerful car building company. The Thomas Flyer was built in 1907. It was a Model 35 with a four-cylinder, 60-horsepower engine, making the car capable of reaching 60 miles per hour. Cars were loaded up with extra items that they would need along their trip. The Thomas Flyer happened to be loaded with shovels, picks, lanterns, searchlights, extra gas tanks, rope, a rifle, and several handguns. Several of the contestants had open cars that did not have a roof. There was no ceiling. Most of them ended up using some type of tarp to cover their car for overnight stays. The drivers of these cars and the driving teams included a wide range of drivers and mechanics, as well as reporters. Several reporters were included on these driving teams in order to follow the race and to take live stories as they happened. The driver for the Italian car, Emilio Sertori, he took a journalist and poet with him. The German car, the Protos, that car had an army officer trying to raise his rank from lieutenant to captain. He thought that guiding the German team to a victory would be a way to increase his rank. The American driver, Monty Roberts, he was a crowd favorite. He actually trained to drive in a race like this. Also on the Thomas Flyer was mechanic George Schuster. George Schuster had been a longtime employee of the Thomas Motor Company. He was reliable. He knew the Thomas Flyer inside and out. On the French car, the Moto Block, the driver was Charles Goddard, fairly well known in France. Having participated in the Peking to Paris race with no driving experience, setting an endurance record by driving for 24 hours straight. This was definitely quite the cast of characters participating in this race from all around the world. A race of this magnitude must surely have rules. Well, they did, and they also had penalties for breaking the rules. As a side note, it was reported that the head of the Thomas Motor Company made a prediction that none of the cars would actually finish the race. In fact, his prediction was that every car would fail by the time it hit Chicago. He said every car. That included the Thomas Flyer. But that is not what would happen. What would happen is a grueling race that pushed the teams to their absolute limits. Waking up at 5 a.m. and driving until 8 p.m., mechanics repairing cars from cracks and dings and engine problems, stopping at general stores along the way, they're able to pick up gas and food, struggling to find time to sleep, bumpy roads, snow, slush, winter, ice, freezing rain and wind, they faced all the elements. At one point, the Zeus, the Italian car, was surrounded by a pack of wolves. The driver blew the horn, but the wolves were not scared off. He turned on the car's spotlight, but the wolves continued to circle. The team drew their rifles and started to open fire upon the wolves. As one wolf went down, the others devoured that wolf. Wolves being cannibalistic creatures, 
when one of their pack is killed, they will eat that wolf's remains in order to survive. After several shots from the rifles, the wolves were scared off. During the trip, the Italians spoke of a railroad station where there was a woman, the guardian of a signal lamp for the train. Trains did not stop at her station, but they passed through. The woman lived there alone. When the train goes through, it makes her house shake. As the Italian team came up upon this woman's residence, she greeted them as if they were sent from heaven. The Americans, when passing through Indiana, they got stuck in a snowstorm, taking 13 hours to cover 8 miles, making it through the Indiana snowstorm. They reached many points where the roads did not exist. The Thomas Flyer team took to the railroad tracks in order to pass through roadless areas. By the time the Thomas Flyer had reached Cheyenne, Wyoming, the crowd favorite driver, Monty, well, he quit the team. He said he had other business to attend to. As the journey got tough, team members and teams started falling apart. As the Thomas Flyer made it through Wyoming, passed through Utah, made it to California. Arriving first in California, the Thomas Flyer now had an eight-day lead over the rest of the competition. The Italian Zeust, they were still in Utah at that time. Two of the French cars were stuck in Wyoming in the snow. Now, the snow and the wind in Wyoming can be vicious. The whiteout conditions of Wyoming would halt the progress of the French teams. The snow in Wyoming comes down very quickly, and the winds blow that snow around to the point where you can't see anything in front of you. It's like driving through a fog, except it's snow. And with the wind blowing it at such a high rate, it's very easy to get disoriented and lose your sense of direction. At that point, the French teams decided to wait it out, thus giving up more time to allow the Americans and the Italians to press on ahead. The Thomas Flyer reached the ship and was sent to Alaska. Upon arriving in Alaska, the plan was to drive across the Bering Strait, but the deep snow and thawing rivers in Alaska would prevent this from happening. A backup plan was ordered, and the Thomas Flyer was now shipped from Alaska to Japan and then on to Russia so that they could complete the rest of their journey by land. The other French team, the Motoblock, they got stuck in Iowa, and they never left. One French car out of the race. Proving himself to be an all-star, Mr. Schuster, as the star mechanic, became the new driver for the Thomas Flyer. Carrying his handgun and navigating the car out of some horrible situations, constantly tinkering, keeping the car running, he would prove to be the Thomas Flyer's savior. During the course of this journey, there were many newspaper articles written about the progress. At one point, aid was given to some of the teams. As your team was passing through your country, you could bend the rules a little bit to help your team succeed. For example, that American team riding on the rails. A newspaper article was written about peasants demanding money in exchange for help to get the cars through to their destination 
as they passed through the villages inhabited by peasants of other countries. Each team using every advantage they had. Eventually, the repairs that Mr. Schuster had made on the Thomas Flyer were said to have been so extensive that it was no longer the same vehicle. Now, the Thomas Flyer, when it came to the start of the race, was just a normal stock car, almost the same condition as it was when it left the factory at the start of the race. But several of the other cars had special qualities attached to them in order to make them stronger for the race. The Protos car, that one had been specifically created for the race at the request of Kaiser Wilhelm II. I spoke earlier about the Thomas Flyer using the railroad tracks, and at one point, the railroad companies purposely did not run their trains when they knew the Thomas Flyer was going to be in their area, allowing the American team a distinct advantage when using the rails. The Germans' Protos, while it was specifically created for that race, would only suffer severe mechanical issues and be unable to be driven through the rough terrain. As a result of the mechanical issues, it was carried by train from Idaho to Seattle, Washington. In Seattle, it boarded a ship and headed across to Russia. As a result of this break in the rules, the team was fined 15 days. The American team was on to Siberia. At one point, the mud in Siberia was so bad that it took the Americans four days to cover 60 miles driving through the mud. Mr. Schuster was exhausted, but he maintained his composure and soldiered on to continue the race. The Protos, having used the rails to catch up, was going through Siberia roughly the same time as the Americans were. At one point, it is reported that the Protos was stuck in the mud, and the American team with the Thomas Flyer rescued the Protos from the mud hole. The Italian Zeust, they encountered some Russian soldiers. The Russian soldiers took pity when they saw what kind of physical shape the Italians were in. The Zeust was stuck. A river that they were attempting to cross was overflowing. The Zeust, being stuck in the water, couldn't move. The team stood by helplessly as the water began to rise, covering the floorboards, and then engulfing the engine. The Zeust was eventually submerged. When the rise in water began to stop and it reversed its course, the car was still there. They were able to restart the engine and get the car free to continue the race. Unfortunately for the Italian team, misery would continue as they drove through a small Russian village where cars previously had not existed before. A horse-drawn cart was alongside the road and the sound of the Zeus startled the horse. The horse took off running, the wheels of the cart bumping as it crossed over everything in its path. On the ground was what was left of something in the horse cart's path. A small child. The child had been run over by the horse that was scared by the Zeus. The Italians reported themselves after the incident, and fortunately, it was ruled as an accident 
and the Italian team was not charged in the death of the little boy. But it was still another tragedy that would haunt the Italian team. Can you imagine being left in the cold and the mud and the rain, just trying to get your car going in a territory where you don't speak the language? You don't know who any of these people are. You're in small villages. They have no idea who you are. This was the daily struggle that these teams endured. And what was the purpose? For a 1,400-pound trophy, it was all about national pride, being the country that wins the race. That's something you can take back. Take back to your country and be proud of. On July 30th, the Thomas Flyer had reached Paris, France. The Germans, they'd already been in Paris for four days. But the Protoss, remember, they took that rail to get them from Idaho to Seattle, and they were penalized for that. Due to that penalty, it looked like they would lose the race. As the Thomas Flyer entered Paris, the police pulled over George Schuster. One of the headlights on the Thomas Flyer was not working. And you could not drive in Paris without two working headlights. In a scramble to figure out what they could do, the headlight repair was something they had not anticipated, and George Schuster could not fix this issue. Fortunately, there was a bike rider nearby. They looked at taking the light off of the bike and putting it on the car. But they were unable to figure out how to make that work. So in a pinch, they took the entire bike and attached it to the Thomas Flyer, thus giving them two working headlights. Piloted by George Schuster, the Thomas Flyer rolled into Paris with two working headlights and with the Protos being penalized for taking the rails, the Thomas Flyer and the American team were officially declared the winners of the 1908 race around the world. George Schuster was the only American on the team who stayed with the car from start to finish, going the full distance from New York to Paris in 169 days. A month and a half later, the Italians arrived in Paris in September of 1908. The race made international news front-page coverage by the New York Times, covered by the Paris newspaper Le Matin, and was considered a significant event all over the world. On October 12, 2010, George Schuster was inducted into the Automotive Hall of Fame. The race would prove that automobiles actually are reliable and are a good alternative to horse-drawn carriages. At the time, automobiles were not very popular, and there was a lot of unknown factors considering the automobile. And technology, people were afraid of it. They had horses forever, and this is new technology, and a lot of people were scared. They didn't understand that automobiles could be reliable, and this race definitely turned the tide on that opinion. The only teams to finish the race were the Americans, the Germans, and the Italians. The French cars had all bailed out at some point in time during the race. This was a big push for American automobiles. Before 1908, everyone was under the opinion that Europeans built the best cars. 
But after winning this race, the sales of American cars took off. The idea of having interstate highways was also born, partially as a result of this race. In 1910, the invention of asphalt. And in 1912, ground was broken for the Lincoln Highway, the first transcontinental road. This would become the road that inspired the interstate highway system here in America. In 1965, the movie The Great Race was loosely based on the 1908 race around the world. And what was George Schuster's reward for winning this race? He was rewarded a lifetime job with the Thomas Motor Company. The head of the Thomas Motor Company was quoted as saying that as long as there is a Thomas Motor Company, Mr. Schuster will have a job. Unfortunately, in 1912, the Thomas Motor Company went out of business. The head of the Thomas Motor Company says that the race cost him $100,000. And at the time, they just weren't making that kind of money in the automobile industry. And that was his reasoning for not paying his team. Mr. Schuster, he lived to the ripe old age of 99. He died in 1972. And while he was unable to collect the $1,000 prize that the Automobile Club of America had promised if he won the race, 60 years after the race, the New York Times paid him the $1,000 at a banquet in his honor. Mr. Schuster expressed his appreciation, but also noted that $1,000 did not have the same buying power in 1968 when they awarded it to him as it would have had in 1908 when he actually won the money. The Thomas Flyers' victory was the first for an American car in an international competition, and the car is available to see in Reno, Nevada at the Automobile Museum. So if you're ever in Reno visiting the museum, you can go by and take a look at the Thomas Flyer because now you know the rest of the story. I want to thank everybody for listening. Tune in next month as we take another deep dive back into history here on the Derek Izzy Show. Remember, you may not have the chance to ride in the Thomas Flyer, but you can definitely ride in Lyft, the ride-sharing app. Use promo code Derek, D-E-R-E-K, 605503, and you will get your first ride free up to $20. Keep in mind that only works for your first ride, so whenever you set up your account, make sure you use Derek, D-E-R-E-K, 605503. Or if you're setting up a brand new account, use that discount code. It only works one time for each account. Also, remember to write a five-star review on iTunes. Whenever we get Moses back, he will be reading those five-star reviews that are selected at random. And you can get your name out there to the rest of the listening world here on the Derek Izzy Show. Good day.
Amen.